Amen. Okay, so yesterday we didn't do anything, or we didn't go into the message, but uh, we received ministry, yes? And so were you listened? And uh, during the day, uh, for those of you who are not working, uh, please come during the day uh, and receive ministry, okay? Healing ministry. Okay. And especially since we'll be doing blessing ministry in two weeks, we want our spirits to be wide open, right? So that the prophecy would flow forth. Because when prophecy flows from the prophetic anointing, there are many times where that prophecy doesn't depend upon your circumstances. But short-term, the small prophecies are based upon your circumstances. For example, like Ahab, King Ahab, because he became good, his curse turned into a blessing, right? And so... So, of course, most of the time when I'm praying, the most important thing is, is my faith. And also, since I've been serving you for 20 years, some of you, how well would I know you? I would know you really well. And so, for the most part, my ministry to you is mostly coming out of my faith rather than coming out of prophetic anointing. But And so, when I bless you out of my faith, it doesn't depend on your circumstances. And yet, many times, there are prophetic things coming forth. And so, if your spiritual state is good, that prophecy will be better and better. And so... So uh, when you receive ministry, we want to be at a high level. And so that's why during the day, take the time to receive ministry, uh, be healing, so that uh, from the beginning of 2024, that we'll be loosened. And so starting tomorrow, ministers, okay, uh, 2 o'clock, whatever time's available, okay, pastors, come and to minister for the, for, minister for the lay members, amen. Okay, let's begin because we have to finish chapter 2. Okay, but we're beginning at chapter 1, verse 24. So remember, this is all the introduction of all of his Isaiah. And when I use this word Isaiah, it could come from many perspectives, but, but let's talk about it from a temporal perspective. That this is the time during the reign of Uzziah. An introduction into from there to Babylon and then to all uh, all of the end times, the eschatology. And so, when the prophets prophesy, they're they're always looking not just at one time, but for the most part, when they see visions, as they see these visions, they're recording it. And when that vision is revealed to them. The problem with visions is that visions must have the gift of wisdom to interpret it. And in the Old Testament, they didn't have that time. And so that's why they recorded it. That's why the prophets wrote it down. There are some aspects where they knew what they were prophesying. But for the most part, they, they don't know what they're prophesying. They're just writing, writing down what God shows them. For example, Isaiah 53. It's not as if he knew Jesus before he wrote it down. Because the gift of the wisdom of the Holy Spirit was not upon man at that time. So that is the glory and the inspiration we have as new covenant beings. Imagine, just look at what kind of gifts we have just in terms of prophecy itself. And so when you see visions, he is prophesying. And with those visions, he is transcending time. He is going back and forth in different 
time frames. And so, and so for example, like uh, during the time of the reign of King Uzziah, there was a great earthquake. And in that earthquake, he's not just prophesying for those times, but also the prophecies for the end times when, when Jesus Christ comes. And so there are many times where with one event, there are multiple times being overlapped. And so we could see it from the short term, but also with that same event, it could be uh, uh, in the future. And so that's what's really important when I preach out of Isaiah. I always talk about what time this is talking about. And so why are we interpreting these things in this way? And so for that kind of interpretation, listen to my past pre uh, preaching. But this time, uh, the focus of Isaiah is how these prophecies apply to us. Okay, how they apply to these times, to these end times. Amen? So let's begin. Is everyone here? Okay, then let's begin. Amen, amen, amen. Brothers, when are the brothers going to move backwards? Are they always going to stay in the front? Brothers have their own um, benefits. And then sisters, they have also things because, you know, they, as they receive grace, they break into tears. Brothers don't have that kind of feeling. Right, they don't have that feeling, but anyways, it's okay. I'm I'm okay with both. Okay, it's time for my faith to be strengthened, right? Actually, that's more important, right? Is that my strength or my faith gets strengthened? As our church members have been transforming, the thing that they. Tell us, uh, the, the many people give thanks to me by saying, thank you for waiting for me. And I say to myself, I'm still waiting. <laughs> uh, you know, you speak to me as if you are, you're the finished product. But, but you know, Changyu, as he became unemployed, right? He, he's doing really well. He's doing really well. And I'm watching, I'm watching over you. And so you got to meet with Deacon Park every day and, and pray, okay, because so that you do not get too lost in your unemployment. Because in your unemployment, you do uh, fall into that, that, that trap of, uh, of getting complacent and lazy. And so you got to be careful. Of that. Okay, anyway, so verse 24. Okay, in every verse by verse, we can see judgment, uh, restoration, judgment, restoration. That's what we've been seeing throughout chapter one, right, is, is judgment, restoration, judgment, restoration. And up to verse 23, uh, up to verse 23 was regarding restoration. But now in 24, once again, we see the wrath of God being proclaimed. 
And remember that though that it is not leaning towards judgment. God is not trying to to pour out his wrath to Israel. He is not always waiting on edge to punish Israel. No, at always, at all times, he wants to establish them in glory, raise them up in glory. That is God's goal for Israel. And yet the reason why he judges, the reason why he pours out his wrath. Is because of the nobility, the dignity of Israel. They are the holy nation of God. And when they lose that dignity, the last resort that God has is to lay down judgment. And so it's the same thing. Let's say we're on this earth and we're constantly sinning and and, and yet we're comfortable in our lives. That is a curse. That is the greatest curse. When there's wickedness, when there is sin inside of us and you feel that weight, Okay, so look, it's not that God strikes you and so suffering comes upon you, but rather in that sin, in that wickedness, we need to learn to fear God. And when we know how to fear God in that state, it's not because something, some great calamity came upon us that, that, that we find grace, but rather, let's say, for example, I lost my joy. We may think that this is not a big deal. But, but from my perspective of, as someone who's been holding up and maintaining holiness, oh no, I'm doing something that's displeasing God. You would come to that realization. And so we should not be like Israel when they return only after God strikes them. Because even it, because this is the thing that's the great danger is is that you may think that that if God strikes you you will know, but eventually you get to a point so hard that you will not feel God striking you. It's when we are sensitive that we can have the sensitivity to fear God's wrath, right? Even for example, just getting a cold, a common cold. Because think about it. If you believe that God does not even let a single hair of your head fall without reason, then everything in your life counts for something. And so now I'm not saying you need to have a phobia, develop a phobia and constantly worry about this. No, but if God is reigning over you and he loves you more than anything in this world, then you would understand that there's nothing in your life that happens coincidence by coincidence. There's no, no, it's not a coincidence that you became poor. It's not a coincidence that you are sick. Whatever that happens to your life, nothing is by coincidence. Everything is tied to your relationship with God. And so as I always say, every issue in life, you must unravel it through the light of God. Not not thinking that it has nothing to do with God. No, everything in this world flows forth from your relationship with God. You've been hearing this for 25 years. And yet, many times, we're, it's so difficult for, this, for us to receive this. Many times we see the problem, the circumstance for itself. For example, someone who doesn't have, oh, someone who has greed, you'll never have money. 
Because money is not the problem. It, the problem is the greed. As it says in Ephesians 6, our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's not about what we see. It's not about my positions. It's not about the circumstances, about, about the events that happen in my life. I'm not someone who needs to solve these kinds of problems. We are spiritual beings. Amen. Our fight is not with flesh and blood, but it is against the principalities of the air and the spiritual powers. Amen. And so this is what we must recognize. And this is the reason why faith is so important. Above all else, faith is most important because we live spiritual lives. If the flesh was the source of our spirituality, then we would not need spiritual, but it is the spirit. What is spirit? Spirit is things that we do not see with our eyes, right? And so faith itself is spiritual. And so everything must be understood in that spiritual context. Whatever may happen in your life, remember that the events of the flesh is not the source, is not the reason. Okay, it's all about spirit. Even look at Proverbs. Proverbs says that who can heal a broken heart? What does that mean? Is that if your heart is not broken, then even an illness will not be an issue to you. And so the problem is not the disease itself. The problem is your heart that reigns over that disease. And so look at me. I've been diabetic for more than 30 years. And with 30 years, even in these 30 years, God has used me in an amazing way without rest. And so try as a diabetic to live the way I do. You would be dead already. Many people warned me that you're going to get into diabetic shock. But I didn't have time to get into shock. I didn't have time to, to, to organize the, the food that I need, right? And so for 34 years, God has still used me because I've been maintaining the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Now, it's because I'm old that it's, it's getting a little bit harder and harder. But when I first began, I ministered from night until dawn. And even then, the next day, I would preaching. I don't know why I ran myself ragged like this. But, but look, and yet, for 34 years, God continually provided. God continually poured out on probably. And so my heart, my heart was never uh, obstructed by my fleshly weaknesses. And so it's the same thing, whether it's your disease or the issues you may have with money, your issues with your relationship with people, it all must be unraveled in the context of spirit. It's not about what you can see with your eyes. Amen. And so this must be clear to us. And if we have these eyes, then everything that happens in my life, we understand that it's under God's reign. Ah, God is here. God's hand is behind here. And so you can acknowledge Him in all ways because what? Because you see all things as spiritual things. Ah, God did this. Ah, God did that. You're able to see this easily, quickly. But when you fail to do this, you become apathetic to what God is doing. And so you think it's all by your effort. You think it's all because of something that you did. Uh, because of your hard effort, you made this happen. 
And so, so you get lost in your arrogance. And this will bound your life. And when your life is bound in this way, it becomes difficult. As it gets harder and harder and harder, you get farther and farther away from God. And so, and so everything is spiritual. Amen? And so moving on. So let's see God's wrath in verse 24. And so as I continually said, and so in this perspective, when God judges Israel, He is not pleased to judge Israel because the, His purpose was not to judge them. His purpose is to maintain the riches of their dignity for them to live in the rich of that glory. That is what pleases God. God is not pleased to judge Israel. Judging in Israel is God's despair. Therefore, the Lord declares the Lord of hosts, the mighty one of Israel. Why does it say the mighty one of Israel here? Because Israel, for Israel, God can do all things. That's what's being testified here. That God can do all things for Israel, even in the New Testament. Look, what does, what does it say? It says that God will spare nothing for His church whom He purchased with His blood. And so, when we recognize our dignity... What happens is we do not take the burden for ourselves. And so that's one thing that I check every day in my pastoral ministry. Today, am I... Am I taking this ministry as my burden? No, no, no. Every day I make sure it's not my burden. That my spiritual state is always in that moment where I am in, in before God's throne of grace. And so even though we have this promise that we, need to, we can go draw near to the throne of grace, yet many people do not experience that. Why? Because their spirit is so weighed down and so they're unable to go. They need to lay down their burdens. They need to lay down their burdens. That way they could go before the, yeah, at least even the throne. But many times because they're so weighed down, they cannot even drag themselves to that door gate. As it says in Romans 8, 28, God says that you are no longer indebted to the flesh. And so when you live with God, if you carry your burdens, that is arrogance, that is foolishness, that is great loss. And so we must not bear the burden, okay? Do you, do you, are you burdening yourself with your business? No, it's because you do not have that burden. That's why, that's why you, you can uh, offer so much as you did, right? It's not your burden. It's not yours. Deacon Hong, how about you? Did you take that burden upon yourself? You did, you did. You need to loosen that burden. You need to loosen it. Okay, yesterday, Songmin bought ice cream. How about the father today? Oh, why are you guys so happy with just something to eat? He's talking to the kids. But anyways. Okay, they clapped for you. So you got to buy the ice cream, right? Okay, but look, look, look. Eating is not important, okay? Eating is not important right now. Okay, why why are you buying this ice cream? So that you could be blessed, amen? Okay, anyway, so let's continue. 
Okay, uh, the mighty one of Israel. He can do all things for Israel. This is the faith we must have, that God will spare nothing from you. He will give you even the entire universe. He will never treat even a single utterance of your prayer lightly. Your official request to God, he will not treat lightly. He will respond to you. Amen. If he doesn't, res- if he cannot answer, he'll tell you why he cannot answer. If he's withholding that answer, he tells you why. That's why we, it says the mighty one of Israel. And so he does all things and yet he is, he is, uh, he is sad. Why is he sad? Because it, God could give them all things, but if he gives them, they would be ruined. They would be destroyed. And so rather they need to receive the whip. And so that's why I say, when you do not receive an answer in your prayer, you need to repent because God wants to give. God wants to give. And yet you need to recognize the pain that he feels for his inability to give to you because of something that you cannot handle. God wants to give you more than you want to receive. That is who our God is. And so that's why we repent when we do not receive answers to prayers. And so it says, and I will, uh, I, I will grieve. Or, uh, I, the English translation is a little different. It says, I will get relief from my enemies. But anyways, there are many, many times when we read the Bibles, we read it from our own uh, context, our own perspective. This is the problem. When we read the Bible, we always need to be God-centered. Amen? And so, with the Word of God, because I'm here bringing God's Word to me, that's not how you should read the Bible. Okay, that's not what the Bible is speaking. Because God is up here, if I'm down here, I need to go up to where God is. Who made that way open to us? It's Jesus Christ. When he put on the flesh, he opened that way for us. And so whenever we read the Bible, this is the thing that you, we need to be careful. This is where we always go wrong, is that when we read the Bible, we read the Bible from my own perspective. We try to understand God from my perspective. That's why it does not happen. God is almighty. And I am not almighty. That I need to lay down everything of me and go up to his almighty nature. Amen? And so, and so to Israel, why? Why is God grieving? Israel, they think if from their perspective that if God blesses them, then I, I have my belly full, then I would be happy. But but if that's the case, then as long as they were blessed, then it doesn't matter if it's God or, or if it's Baal. If, if they give money, then it doesn't matter. No, when God says he's grieving, it's because he's grieving from his perspective. Because he wants to give to Israel, but from his perspective, he's unable to give. It's not simply because he did not give them money. It's not because he didn't give them food. No, rather, God could give such greatness to them. And yet the fact that Israel fails to receive that, that's the grieving of God. And so that's where we need to be careful. It's not just money that, that and, and it's really money. Money is nothing. Let's not use that example. But every glory of God is given to you. 
And God wants, his heart is to expand that glory to glory. And so when he's unable to give that, and, and so when we do not recognize his heart there, and so if I have a right relationship with God, I would know the heart of God. That, and so Moses, and not just Moses, but all those who pleased God. But the reason why Moses pleased God so much is because Moses... No matter what happened, it's not about, oh, I need this, I need that, or please provide this. No, at all times, he bowed down on his knees and said, Lord, show me your glory. Even though he's seen his glory, he says, show me your glory. He says, show me your glory. And remember, what does it mean to see glory in that times? Seeing glory means death in, that, in those days. And yet, Death is, death is worth it. Death is worth seeing your glory. And so it's not simply about begging, Lord, I need money. I, I need something to eat. No, it's the glory that God is trying to pour out. And Moses knew that. And so right now, when I ask you to pray for money, am I seeking money? And so today, one sister, um, that... What's that thing that's expensive in Italy? Oh, the, this 20, this 15-year-old balsamic vinegar. And so it's a poor sister. And she said to my, she said to me that, that I brought this to provide for you. And I said to her, I said, I don't want the 15-year-old. I want 30-year-old. No, no, this would be a thief. No, I'm just kidding. I said, no. I don't want I don't want your money I want your life right have I ever asked for your money no you don't even have money I want your life I don't want your money pa God is my witness I am not a pastor who's ever asked for your money I want your life I am always asking of life what is my vision my vision is to martyr all of you right that is my vision your lives have been so ruined because you've met such a strange pastor okay honestly as I mentioned as I say it it feels like it's very cruel but anyways and so this sister brought this balsamic right this balsamic and I didn't know that it was so valuable it was really small bottle and I didn't know it was so valuable how come when you went to Italy you didn't bring this for me ah uh. I'm not, I'm not asking you to buy it, okay? You don't have to buy it, okay? Don't buy it. I've learned for the first time that balsamic was expensive. And so they brought this 20-year-old balsamic, and I, I thought that that was the best, but there was even older ones. But anyways, anyways, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. You don't have to bring... Okay, I heard that this 50-year-old balsamic is like gold in Italy. <laughs> I'm not mentioning for any particular reason. But anyways, anyways, and so let's move on. And so, 
When it says that God is grieving, it's not simply over money. It's not simply over spilled milk. No. Unless we know the heart of God, we cannot feel what God is doing. As your relationship with God goes deeper and more perfect, then everything comes from God's perspective, not my perspective. And so remember, that's Christianity, what it's all about. It's not my level, my circumstances, my situation. No, stop trying to bring God down to your level. Every day, every day, you're praying to God saying that, Lord, I need this, I need that. And yet God is grieving because, because of your glory, uh, because your lack of glory. And then you, because you receive a little bit of money, you're happy. And yet God is still grieving. And so this is the thing that's great about the prophets. Is that no matter how joyful they might be in their life, if God is sad, they are sad. If No matter how desperate their lives may be, if God is happy, they are happy. If God is ashamed, they feel that shame. And so we need to go towards God-centeredness. That is the right direction for our Christianity in terms of understanding the Word of God and also in all circumstances, knowing what God's will is. That's, that's what's important. And that is only possible when I am God-centered, not when I'm self-centered. It's, but, oh, because I'm successful, because I'm wealthy, because I'm, I'm prosperous, then, then I'm blessed. No. No, that's a pig. Man with a soul, with a spirit. It's about God's spirit. Because if wealth and health and prosperity is, is the blessing of God, then everyone in the Bible has been cursed. Because not that many people in the Bible had those things. And so, uh, and I will get relief from my enemies and avenge myself on my foes. And so this relief and avenge myself is God's visitation, right? As, it's, as Joseph prophesied in Genesis, that God is going to visit you, to rescue you with a great hand. And so in that visitation, it was a blessing, it was a gift. But here, what is this visitation? It is relief, right? It is getting relief from his devil. Uh, no, not devil. We're getting relief from his enemies and so paying back for that sin. And so God's visitation must be warm and, 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 and filled of life. But when my relationship with God is broken, when I am in sin, then God, when he brings visitation, he is righteous God. He is holy God and demanding payment for that sins. And so God must be, his love must be satisfied, but at the same time, he also must be satisfied in his holiness. And this is the one thing that causes a lot of stress, right? Love must be satisfied, but righteousness also must be satisfied. And so, would God be comfortable? And so listen carefully. Listen carefully what, I, what I'm saying. As people of God, when we receive holiness, right? You are holy, yes? Be holy for I am holy. And so when you receive holiness, your life cannot be comfortable. Why? Because you need to satisfy love, but at the same time, you need to satisfy righteousness. And so can your life be easy or not? No, it will not be easy. And yet, look, why do we find comfort? Why do we find peace? Because Jesus Christ has won the victory. And so in Israel, during 
bring the Old Testament perspective, they cannot be comfortable. They cannot be at peace. And so the only method that God provided for them is that day of atonement. Because without that day of atonement, they cannot survive. Because if they live with God, they need to be holy. But if they want to be holy, how can they satisfy the, 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 the needs of love? And so they would die. And so what does this mean? It means that you need to live as someone who is loved by God because all you have to do is uh, give that atonement sacrifice. But as we saw in chapter 1, that when they fail in worship, when they lift up corrupted worship, they cannot receive that love. It's only in that love that righteousness can be unraveled and yet without that love, they do not have that righteousness. And so, and yet, thanks be to God that through Jesus Christ, in that blood, we His righteousness is always satisfied. And so 24 hours, uh, 365, we are always at peace with God. Amen? And so that is our joy. That is our inspiration. And so forever, the, the sacrifice that Jesus Christ has done is worthy of our praise. And so every day for all eternity, that blood dwells inside of us. Amen. And so as it says in Hebrews 11, in the kingdom of heaven, there is the blood that speaks the word, a better word than the blood of Abel. And where is that blood? It is inside of you. And so moving on. And... And so to the devil, what does it mean? Or what does he say? What does it mean when he says, I will get relief from my enemies? It means that righteousness has been satisfied. That means that sin has been judged. That means that the price of that sin has been taken. And so I avenge myself on my foes. And who is the foes? Right now it's Israel. His beloved Israel has become his has become his foes. Through who? Through Assyria, through Babylon, through all the calamities that's before them. Through those things, the judgment of God is coming upon. Israel and so in terms of God's righteousness God's righteousness has been satisfied and so that's why God is grieving he is not pleased right now because at all times he is conflicted between love and righteousness but because righteousness has been satisfied there is this discomfort towards the love of because he loves Israel he is not going to be pleased when he judges Israel but because of the law, because of his righteous decree, God is finding relief in his righteousness. You understand what I'm saying, right? And so, so for example, it's like this, a father, right? His child was naughty. And so, the father is filled with anxiety, not as he hits his children, but as he is thinking about what, how to punish his child. That's where the greatest anxiety and greatest fear is. But after he whips his child, there's peace, there's relief, right? There is relief. There is that relief, right? Fathers, you know, yes? And after you beat your child, you want to buy them something, right? You want to buy them something. But it's after they get hit, hit after they get beat, that, 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 that relief comes. Amen? But Jesus Christ received that beating for us, right? Jesus Christ received that beating for us, and that's why we're always in that relationship of peace with God. Amen? Okay, but so what I'm trying to say is that he finds relief, but that doesn't mean God is at peace. But anyways, and so verse 25 
to 27 is the uh, judgment of His holiness. Remember, God's holiness is everything. But here, remember, with righteousness, uh, within that holiness, there is love and righteousness. And so let's see this judgment of holiness. Verse 25, I will turn my hand against you and will smelt away your dross as with lie. So remember, God's hand is God's, is God's blessing and healing hand to Israel. But because of God's holiness, when our relationship with God is right, then it would be a, rela- it would be a hand of healing. It would be a hand of provision. But because they were not ho- did not have that right relationship with God, it became a hand of what? It became a hand uh, against them to smelt away at their dross as with lie. And so, for those of you who who've been rubbed with with lye soap, or or or, or when when you're when you're when you know, that 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 pain, that torture that comes, right? And so, let's say you are silver, right? And 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 silver. Remember what what the the example that we used on Sunday? That ninety five percent of it is dross, and so. So if I have to get 95% of my body wiped away, right? 40 day fasting, how many how much kilograms did you lose? 12 kilograms. And so even 12 kilograms is so painful for him. How about you, Pastor Pastor uh, Pastor Kim? 16 kilograms. How about Bernie? Bernie, how many kilograms did you lose? Okay, even tens of kilograms is so torturous. Now think about 80 kilograms, right? Imagine, imagine if you were to lose 80 kilograms, right? God right now, he's turning his hand against them to take away 95% of that dross. And so what does it mean to be Israel? Would you be... Uh, want to choose to be Israel of a sane mind? Oh, you think that, oh, because you are the firstborn of God that you would be happy? Look at the 4,000 years of history of Israel. Even just look at recent history. Six billion or six million people were, were annihilated in a few years. So think about it very carefully. As a child of God, it's the same thing. And so look. From the perspective of dealing with wickedness, being a child of God from that perspective is not a joyous thing. It's actually a very fearful thing. And yet, why is there such great wonder? It's because it's not me who chose it. It's God's choice. And above that, that fearful requirement of God's holiness, the fearful requirement is overshadowed by the glory of God. Amen? And so, as, as a pastor, right, I always say that if you do not have a calling to be a pastor, do not be a pastor. I said to my wife, let us not be pastors because this position, it, there's such great weight. I will not be a pastor. And yet, why did I become a pastor? Because God called me. And when God called me, what did God show me? That he showed me the glory of this calling. And it's the same thing as a child of God. 
When you think about the weight of the holiness of a child of God, then if just that alone, if that was if that was it, then I would not come to church. And yet, why do we become a child of God? Because when we were saved, God showed you that His glory. And it's because of that glory that we live this spirituality, amen? Because of that dignity, that nobility, that joy, that inspiration. And this is all God's grace, amen? And so that's why I say your tears should never run dry. Amen. And so look at Israel. Israel, look at their 4,000 years of history. Look at how tortured they are. There is no people who had to... Who, who, who had to there's no race out there in the world that had to cast lots for which child they were going to eat that night and so look at how tortured Israel is and pastors as a high priest what does a high priest do a high priest is always killing, killing. We are, what are pastors? We are, what are high priests? High priests are massacres, right? Always sacrificing sheep after sheep after sheep after sheep. All they do is touch blood. And yet why? Why do they become priests? Why do we become head pastors? Why? Why are we priests? It's because of God's love. Because of his holiness. Because he pours his glory out. And so I say to the pastors in Zoe ministry all the time, who is the pastor? The pastor who slaughters lamb well. So continue to slaughter your sheep. <laughs> you got to continue to slaughter your sheep. Okay. This is trade secret. You have been continually been slaughtered by me. The secret to getting lots of milk from the sheep is by continually milking that sheep. This so was the same thing, Pastor. What do you what do you what do I do well is continually milk you for all you are worth. <laughs> right? I'm very I'm very good at that, right? Okay, thank you. Thank you for looking at me upon a good light, even though I say it this way. <laughs> but anyways, so as Israel, when you look at righteousness, this is something that you would be, oh, you are crazy. No, but it's because he called us. And so Israel, there's a saying. Israel says to God, have I ever decided to be Israel? Did I choose to be Israel? And so you may have that same complaint. God, did I ever want to be your child? And so as you come across holiness, there is a season that you are going to have this pain. Really, 34 years ago, when I first met with God, for a time, it was so difficult. It felt as if I was running a marathon and I, I still had 100 meters before me. And yet, some beautiful woman started to, I heard her prayer saying, break him even harder. And that made me wake up. Break him even harder. And when I heard that, all of a sudden, I just, I just came to my senses and I was like, oh, I got to focus again. 
And so I know many of you think that I am the intense one and my wife is full of love. No, you guys know wrong. You guys know incorrectly. My wife is very intense. <laughs> She's, that's the way she prayed. Break him harder. <laughs> and when I heard that, I couldn't help but come to my senses. Break him harder. <laughs> and so when we look at just righteousness itself, it's not something that we would choose for ourselves. But it's because of glory. It's because of love. And then so look. God knows that Israel must be clean, and that is Israel's calling. And so, as I'm doing this Zoe ministry, and as I've been pastoring over Yerban Church, why for 25 years I've been saying to you continually, deal with holiness, be holy, be holy, because without that holiness, there is no reason for us to be a church. Just because you have a sign that says church doesn't mean you are a church. If that church is not holy, that church loses its identity. God does not acknowledge you as a church if you are not holy. Because what are the church? It's a gathering of saints. If you are saints, you must be holy. And so without holiness, we are nothing. We are but a corpse. Even now, right now, what is God demanding of you through me is be holy. Be holy. This isn't my own personal philosophy. No, it's what Bible says who we are as Israel, as the children of God, is that without holiness, we are nothing. Because the first thing that he asks of you, the first thing that he pours out upon you is what? Holiness. Be holy for your the Lord your God is holy. And you know this very well. I don't need to go deeper in this. And so, and so I will smelt away your dross as with lye and remove all your ally. And so Israel, who has been mixed with the world, who has been mixed with idolatry, all of this thing is being removed. And so when it says, I will remove all your alloy, there's three meanings to this. And so first, first is like washing white linen, right? Washing white as linen. And then also uh, metal, pure metal, not an alloy, right? Not mixed. And then two is an elite, elite army, like, like the 300 of Gideon. And so when you are mixed, God cannot use it. God has no use for mixed things. Completely white, pure linen or, or, or metal that is not mixed, that is pure metal or an elite army. And, these, and so all of these are representatives of what? Of holiness. And so through our own strength, can we make this happen? We cannot. Only by God's grace. And so when God says, be holy for the Lord your God is holy, that is the grace. And so this holiness, through the sacrifice, through the righteousness Jesus Christ gave for us, we receive that. And so we receive that through what? Through faith. And in that faith, that first step in faith, in believing that, that holiness enters into me. And as it enters into me, it starts to separate the dross inside of me. This is the process of your spirituality. And so when that holiness enters inside of you, this is what will happen. And what is evidence of that holiness is that the blood, the water, and the word, or the blood, the water, uh, the blood, the water, the spirit is inside of you. And so for 34 years, I've been walking down this path. 
And so you cannot say it's Christianity if you are not walking down this path. Just because you've been in holiness for 50 years, that doesn't mean you've been a Christian for 50 years. You are a Christian for one year if you've been going down this path for one year, even though you've been church for 50 years. And so is the whole, the Christianity is, the essence of Christianity is removing this dross. Essence is not blessing. I always say the essence is removing, removing the dross. After you remove that dross, you live in the kingdom of heaven. And so I always say that living in Christianity is so easy. And yet, why is it difficult? It's difficult because, it's difficult because of your, 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 your flesh. And so, bless Shimpung, who has hosted and provided this ice cream. Oh, true. And so, if you find yourself uh, falling asleep easily, then take coffee ice cream. But anyways, and so, let's move on. Okay, enjoy with your mouth, but with your ears, enjoy the words. So verse 26, and I will restore your judges as at the first, and your counselors at the, as at the beginning. And so as I said earlier with Israel, when, whether it was the counselors, the princes, they were all corrupted by taking bribes. And now God is going to restore that righteousness through what? Through their suffering. And afterward, you shall be called the city of righteousness, the faithful city. And so it's after this judgment that the city of Jerusalem can be the city of righteousness. And so if they lose God's righteousness, they cannot be faithful. They cannot have that faith. Because what does it mean to be faithful? It's continually receiving God's promise. Living in God continually. It only happens through righteousness. And so the same thing here. And so Jerusalem... If they get filled with this mixedness, then they become not a city of righteousness, but a city of religion. Because even though they're corrupted, they're still sacrificing God. They're still praying to God. They're still blowing the shofar and acting as if they are holy. And so if you are mixed, automatically you become religious. That though they serve Baal, though they serve all these Asherahs, but they also serve Yahweh. That is religion. So religion is not a simple matter. Religion isn't just pretending in holiness. No, religion means you are mixed. Because you are mixed with dirty things, that's why religion comes. So that's why in Micah 3, 7, what does it say? What is the process of becoming the remnant? Is flee from the city of religion. And so if you flee from Yerbang Church, the reason why you flee is because you are going to the city of God, not the city of religion. You are leaving here because you are leaving the city of religion and you need to go into the wilderness to find that true righteousness. We must go into the wilderness, amen? Where's the wilderness? The wilderness is where you can only survive if you rely on God, only by relying on God. So is God coming to you? Is God coming to you? So in 2024, the process of our Christianity is what? Holiness. We must not let go of holiness. Without holiness, we can do nothing. Even as you're sleeping, when you get wake up, you wake up with holiness. Holiness. 
Do not lose holiness because we cannot do anything without holiness. If we lose holiness, if we do not have holiness, when we try to do something, we must understand that that is religion. That is always religion. And so that's why I say all the spiritual effects to Christians always go through the spirit of religion and through to the people of the world is always the spirit of unbelief. And so let's say immorality was attacking you. How does it come? It comes through the spirit of religion. And it's because this religion pretends to be holy, it makes it impossible to repent. And so it's through, and so whenever these spiritual things move through the spirit of religion, it becomes difficult to repent. And so in 2024, the thing that we must give our lives for is what? Is for holiness. Amen. So let's move on. And so it's with this righteousness that the city can be called a city of righteousness, not a city of religion. Verse 27 Zion shall be redeemed by justice and those in her who repent by righteousness. And so we have to interpret this together. Zion shall be redeemed by justice. Justice is the word mishpat. And in the Old Testament, Zion is Jerusalem, right? Jerusalem. Jerusalem is judged. And through that judgment, what is determined? That if God, God's salvation. So what does it say in the New Testament? Let's say I sin. No, 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 sorry, sorry, not Old New Testament, but anyways, so, uh, yeah, it is the New Testament, and so, so let's say that you sin, okay, it's not the Old New Testament, Old Testament, let's say you sin and the, and the devil brings accusation against you, and then God gives you righteousness where, where, when you do have the Day of Atonement, and then so when he says righteous, that's that mishpat, that justice, and those who in her, in her who repent by righteousness, so Zion, Zion, Jerusalem, those who have returned to Jerusalem. So, so through Babylon, they got sent into exile. And that's God's judgment. And those who return. After, after that judgment, they return and they are, they are Zedek. They are those who have received righteousness. And so in Old Testament, they must pay the price of that sin, whether it's through suffering or persecution, whatever it may be. They have to pay the price of that sin. And after paying the price of that sin, they receive that righteousness. And that's the, that justice, the justice of God, the mishpat. But what about New Testament? When we sin, do we receive the wages of that sin? No, we do not. Because of who? Because of Jesus Christ. And so when we sin, do we have to go through suffering? No, we don't. And yet, why do we suffer? It's because of sanctification so that we can grow into holiness. Because when we sin, this sarks, this fleshly nature grows inside of us. And so it's suffering. Now, it's not always suffering. But anyways, there is a price to pay for that, for that 
for lack of better word there is this time that you have to go through this process that you have to go through some people it goes through victory because the same sin comes but they used to fall to that sin but they do not fall anymore and so through that victory they deal with that measure of that fleshly nature and so whatever the whatever the essence may be or however it may appear we go go through this payment for lack of better words but but you know anyways and so so when you sin so the Old Testament they have to pay that price but in the New Testament once you receive the blood of Christ does that Zedek come or not it comes it comes automatically but and so we do not have to pay for that sin right because it's all been dealt on the cross but do we suffer we may we may not when we do it's because there is this issue of the sarks that we have not dealt with and because of the measure of that flesh inside of us it being sanctified there is this this suffering that you may go through and so in that sense New Testament is a little bit more complex and so when you sin there will be suffering there could be there may not be it may be through suffering it may be through spiritual victory it may be through some other methods and so and so what Jesus Christ has done how grateful so we must meditate upon every day because we should lose everything but we do not lose anything why because Jesus Christ's grace and so the suffering that you go through right now as a child of God there are different perspectives to this maybe because you fail to maybe because you're so unable to repent this is dangerous this is dangerous that you have not repented but let's say you did repent and yet there's still suffering and so accurately speaking if when you receive the righteousness of God it's impossible for the same problems to come before you maybe maybe but never in my experiences never in my experience and, 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 and the principle of that is that is this and so if that same problem comes to you it's because an issue with repentance or because you have been unable to overcome that power of that sin over your life. For example, immorality. Let's say you continually, you, you, you used to sin in immorality all the time and you repented of that. And yet there is still that strength inside of you. And so you have been healed of that sin, but, but there's that strength. As it says in 1 John, right? For he is faithful. And when we confess our sins, he will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so the first thing is homolegia. When you confess your sins, your sin are wiped clean right your sins have been forgiven right it has been erased from your conscience and so in this state you are already uh, righteous before God and you are already right before God but the problem is is that when you sin though that sin is no longer in you because you repented that the the force the power of that sin is still in your members of your body right and so and so that power of that sin, that desire, that, 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 that taste, you know, in other words, it, it, that flavor is still on your lips. For example, someone so immersed themselves in secularism, so they love the world. And so when they receive that strength, that, that, that motivation, without that motivation, they feel powerless. 
And so when they go shopping, they they are invigorated. They're filled with life, right? And so this strength, this force, right? And when we want to deal with that strength, we have to go through a time of suffering to some. And so this is the process of sanctification, right? Going through sanctification. And so it's not about righteousness, but it's about sanctification now for New Testament believers. And so either through suffering or like David, maybe through deep repentance, he was able to completely deal with it. But but David, because he was Old Testament, he still suffers, right? His son still dies. But, but even though he goes through that suffering, he dealt with that sin, right? He was received complete forgiveness, and so, and so he never sins that sin again. And so I've said this all the time, and yet you, you look as if you are hearing this for the first time. And look how great is our God. We are not suffering because of God's right wrath, but because of our sanctification. Amen? And so that's why Peter says, do not find it strange when we pass through fire, right? As if we're being refined, because we are always being refined through fire, and that's why there is great profit in suffering. And so do not find it strange when you suffer all kinds of trials and tribulations. Whether you are victorious in battle or whatever it may be, just just understand and do not be surprised when trials and tribulations comes your way. But let's say, let's say that the same suffering of the same sin keeps coming. That is a problem. That means that you are unable to receive God's righteousness over that aspect of your life. And so you're unable to deal with that sin. And so that's why you keep doing the same sin over and over again, whether it be made money or with people. And so anyways... And there's many people even in our church who are still unable to deal with that repetitive sin. And this is a really dangerous issue. This is a really serious issue. That because they're unable to receive in the righteousness of the blood of Jesus Christ 100%, they're unable to go to that path of, of sanctification. And they keep continually minimizing God's effect in their life. And so... So, holiness, he comes inside of me, he deals with all of these problems and, and, and goes, leads me towards sanctification and it leads to what? It leads to glory and that glory shines through you and that holiness sh- radiates through you. But when you're unable to do that because of the sarks, when you, when you leave that sarks inside of you, what are you doing? You are limiting the radiation of that glory, of that holiness. And when you're limiting that... Let's say if you really don't know whether you are radiating that glory or not, then go to go to uh, a witch who knows that who knows. Go to a shaman or a witch doctor who knows the glory, because if that glory was shining from you, that she would run away. But if that glory is being limited inside of you, and you go there and she welcomes you, then you know that you are limiting that glory inside of you. 
That is a clear way to know whether you are limiting that glory or not. So Deacon Park, you want to try to go to the, that, that alley with witch doctors? Really, I mean, fake witch doctors won't know, but the real ones, when someone like me comes before her, uh, she'll run away because of the glory that radiates from me. But anyways. So verse 28. Verse 28 to 31. But rebels and sinners shall be broken together. And those who forsake the Lord shall be consumed. So when Israel is taken into captivity through Jeremiah, right? God, uh, through Jeremiah, God proclaims that they would be proclaimed that, that they would be taken in, into exile. But the rebels and sinners remain to the very end, and so they are destroyed, right? And so remember, to the, during the exile, it's not those who remain in Jerusalem who are the remnant, but those who are taken into captivity who are the remnant. So verse 28, 29, 29, for they shall be ashamed of the oaks that you desired. And so all the things that they received, all the money, all the things that they relied upon, the, 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 the strength of their arms, right? That, that is what's going to bring them shame. For you shall be like an oak whose leaf withers, and like a garden without water. Right, a dry. And then verse 31, And the strong shall become tinder, and his work a spark, and both of them shall burn together with none to quench them. And so no matter how strong they may be, they will be like straw that, that, that burns with a spark. And that both of them shall burn together with none to quench them. And so look, when Israel loses holiness, this is what the result. They are left with nothing. That must be ingrained in your mind. The problem in your life is not money. The problem in your life is not that you lack something, that you do not have connections. No, that is not the problem of life. It's your relationship with God. Everything, everything, no matter what happens, you must deal with it in the context of your relationship with God because that is where you will find each and every answer. Whether it be issues with people, issues with money, whatever it may be. Because who is the one who is the author of life? It is God. And so, if you are right with God, then there can be nothing wrong. Even if you don't have money, it's not wrong. Even if you have money, it's not wrong. And so when you are right with God, whether you have or you don't have, it's not a problem. Amen. And so let's move on to chapter 2. Okay, let's pray before we go into chapter 2. And so uh, if the instrumentalist will come forward, okay? In 2024, we are going to perfect holiness. Amen? Holiness. Holiness. And so above all else, that's what you need to receive. Just receive God's holiness. Be holy for the Lord your God is holy. This is where it begins. Everything that Jesus Christ has done is for you to receive this holiness. When the, through that sacrifice, through your belief in Him, He says to you what? Be holy for the Lord your God is holy. And so in 2024, Babylon is being cut off. Yes, Babylon is being completely cut off. We are 
living in these times. And that secret is when we receive your holiness. And so, Lord, at this time, it's not about our actions. It's not, these, this fasting, that's all good. It's good. It's a blessing. But we are not being holy through our fasting. It is not the act itself that brings holiness. No, it is only through his sacrifice, through the price that he paid. When we receive that in faith, are we made are we sanctified? Are we made holy? And when that holy enters inside of you, that holiness will work inside of you to reveal all the filth inside of you, to separate all the dross outside of you. And so the realm of the devil, the kingdom of the devil cannot stand against this holiness. And so Lord, at this time, let we receive your holiness in faith. We receive the holiness through the blood of Jesus Christ. Be holy. Be holy for the Lord your God is holy. Jesus Christ who dwells inside of you, he has removed all the obstacles. Be holy, holy. Holy God. More powerfully, Lord. Yes, Lord. At this time, we receive in faith the holiness that you have given us. Our holiness. The holiness that have broken through and have satisfied love and righteousness. Yes, amen, amen. And so, the holiness that the Old Testament and the holiness in the New Testament is completely different. Our holiness is the victory of love of Jesus Christ. And so that's why there is no sin inside of us. When we receive that holiness, when that holiness is inside of us, we become what? We become God's temple. And so that's why the Holy Temple or the Holy Spirit can dwell inside of you. And that's why the blood can dwell inside of you. And that's why the word inside of you. For I will make you my dwelling place. This is what we receive in faith. And so yes, Lord, in 2024, help us to enter into the completion of the temple. Help us to enter into the completion of the temple. Yes, because that, because my love has won the victory. Your holiness perfects my holiness. Perfects my holiness. And so my word is inside of you. My spirit inside of you. Receive it in faith. Receive this in faith. Be holy for the Lord your God is holy. Yes, Lord, may every member of this community perfect the temple inside of them. And may holiness radiate from within them. of your holiness radiate from within them. More powerfully, Lord. Pour it out, Lord. Can you know how holy it is through discernment? No, you cannot. You cannot discern how holy. Right? As, as Proverbs says, that it's heart to heart. It's when heart to heart comes, that's where holiness knows. Just as when Elizabeth met with Mary, the, 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 the babies within their bellies leaped with joy. Right? 
And so, and so that's the joy that must happen when we meet together. And so, even though we're meeting every day and seeing each other almost 24-7, we do not get tired of each other. Why? Because our hearts, hearts are coming together and seeing that holiness. And so when, you, when I see someone who is holy, I know right away. Wow. I can know. When you are holy, I know. And so in faith, and because even if they are not holy next to you, but look at next to the person next to you and be amazed at their holiness. You need to be amazed. Be amazed because holiness is radiating from your face. This is the spiritual state that our community needs to rise up. It's not just the head pastor, but every single one of us. Every single one of us knowing our holiness. And so, and so there was a time where I used to say that just seeing you is glory. And this is going to happen in our life. Amen. Right, me and my wife, we love seeing each other. I, I won't get into detail, but we love seeing each other because because that sister, I can see holiness radiating in. That's why we had six children, right? <laughs> and so we must be like this with each other. When we go to intercede, we need to know. When we meet together, our heart shines upon heart. And it says that when two or three are gathered in my way, why does it say that Jesus will be in that mist? Because that holiness comes united together. So as I said yesterday in chapter 1, and that's why the worship in your church is entering into another dimension. Because your holiness, that holiness as it comes together, the glory that radiates. Ten, hundred, a thousand. When the, these holy hearts gather together, it raises that level. Amen? And so look at me. Look at me. In your heart, do you feel joy welling up inside of you? Then that person, then you are, you are either one of two things. Either you are immoral and filled with adultery or you are holy. <laughs> You, you need to be filled with joy. We need to joy, we rejoice one another. Look at the person next to you and see if that joy abounds within you. And so even between spouses, that's the holiness that should be between your fellowship. And so in 2024, it's time for this temple to be perfected. Amen. And so either the blood or the word, there should be no limitation. Amen. And so if that was the case, imagine the glory of the, of the worship. I would not need to even preach. All we would do is read the word and tears would flow, flow like rivers. And so let's move on to verse 2, chapter 2, chapter 2. Chapter 2. And so because judgment has been proclaimed in chapter 2, verse 1 through 4, what is it going to speak of? Right, restoration. Amen. And chapter 2, we can see that the overall theme is the day of the Lord. And what is the essence of the day of the Lord? It is talking about judgment in the end times. It is eschatology. And so, 
So remember, the time frame right now is not Usaya and Hezekiah, but during the end times. And so, 2,700 years. He is prophesying 2,700 years into the future. So imagine, look at the greatness of this prophet. Right, He is prophesying 2,700 years into the future. But, but he did not live during the time of the indwelling Holy Spirit. How much more us who have the indwelling Holy Spirit? So as I always say, if we live in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, we will transcend space and time. This is the reason why I say this. It's not just an idea. It's not a theory of mine. And so when I pray for Africa, wherever I go, wherever I pray, I'm transcending space and time. And so you know what it means when you maintain the fullness of the Holy Spirit. This is the same thing when it comes to drawing near before the throne of grace. How can you go with that that is beyond the universe? And yet when you maintain the fullness of the Holy Spirit, you understand what it means to draw near to the throne of grace, that you transcend space and time. As Paul says, you know, even while he was in Ephesus, that he's seeing you Corinthians, right? Because though he is in Ephesus, he is seeing spiritually what's going on in Corinth. And this is, I'm not talking about mysticism, okay? This is not mysticism. But as this holiness radiates from within us, and when we gather together, as it says in Hebrews 10, 17, to, make every, to continually make every effort to gather together. Because when you gather together, that holiness radiates, and it grows, and it grows, and grows. And so for 25 years, we've been gathering, 25 years, 24-7 uh, intercession, and it's so that our holiness could continue to expound and expound upon one another. Amen? And so, what should, and so that's why we must gather. Amen? Continue to gather. And so as it says in John, John 7, 17. John 10, 17? John 7, 17. It says that from your belly will flow forth rivers of living water. Amen? And so really... Living water, streams of living water flowing forth from your belly. As each and every single one of you gather here, pray, praising. That holiness is just flowing, flowing forth as living water. Amen? And so in one worship, it changes the atmosphere of the spiritual world. So moving on, chapter 2. I probably will not be able to finish all of chapter 2, but let's try to get as far as we can. So verse 1. Okay, so we know that God is master of the universe. And the scale of Israel, the scale of the church is the scale of the universe. So when we know who God is, and when we know Israel, his beloved, the church, his beloved, this will determine the scale of your faith as well as you know God will determine the scale of your faith. And so when it says, you have God's faith, it's not the result of something I've done, but no, the faith itself is God's faith. And God's faith must have God's scale. And so as you pray with God and as you have fellowship with God, 
And yet, why do you find your prayer so lacking in power? Why do you not enjoy the inspiration of God's glory? Because your faith, first of all, primarily is because it's not pure. So we must have innocent faith, right? Pure faith. That's why we're going through that process of continually removing the filth from within us. But once that faith is pure, you can have the scale of God. And it's not just simply a matter of size, but being able to ask whatever it is that God wills. And so meaning that you are at God's level. And so your prayer is not based on your circumstances. It's not based on your conditions. It's not based on the limitations of your knowledge. That's how we need to be able to pray. That, oh, because all I need is this, this is all I'm going to ask for? No. If you have the skill of God, whatever it is, I can pray for it. That sun stays still in the sky. And so this this time of suffering will bring that reality of the skill of God to you. And so God who reigns over us. Amen. And so... And so from chapter 2, it's speaking of God's restoration. And here, and then in verse 6, it talks about judgment, the eschatological judgment. And why is there judgment that needs needed? Because in these end times, uh, we, we have to go through persecution to be able to trans to go through those end times and so and so it's not about judgment but about sanctification remember that the Bible is not written so that you can escape hell no the Bible was written for your glory how many times in the Bible does it say I believe in Jesus Christ and went to heaven not very many not very many the Bible is about glory it's not about your ticket to heaven amen the Bible doesn't say that you go to heaven rather it says heaven comes to you and so this is religion religion has ruined this and you have all been in religion before you came to this church you thought that the goal of Christianity was to go to heaven and so you did not even imagine God's glory you did not think of God's glory and it became so abstract to most saints no glory is real it is it is tangible it is fungible because it's about your relationship with God and this must be clear to us, amen? And so as glorious children of God, our goal is to meet with Him in His glory. And so it's not just about meeting with Him, but we also need to reveal, manifest that glory. So that's why sanctification is, is all about sanctification, going through this process of sanctification. Because our goal in Christianity is to receive His holiness, to be sanctified, and it is only those who are sanctified who will be able to truly love God and be pure in righteousness. 
And so this is your only goal in life is to love the Lord alone, is to live in God alone. And everything else, everything else is just the cherry on top, right? Like my pastoral ministry, I don't need to do anything. I don't know how you understand this, but really this isn't even my goal. It's not my motivation. It's just simply I'm going. My goal, my motivation is one thing, is to love Him alone. Is to Him be my everything. And everything else is just a cherry on top. Right, for 25 years, you, you've noticed this, you've witnessed this, that I've been overseas most of the time each year. And how grateful am I that even though your head pastor isn't with you for at least half of the year, you did not run away. And I use the money, the finances of this church, more than two-thirds of the finances of this church outside. And yet you do not complain. And in this small church, we have 20 pastors. And yet none of the elders, none of the deacons are, 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 are demonstrating against this. They don't complain. How grateful am I to God? And so whenever people bring gifts for the pastors, that's when I really, it really hits me how many pastors are at our church. And so this, it's not because you are good people. It's not because you are oppressed by your head pastor. But all of this is because it's because of God's goal in me. And what is that God? What is that goal? Is to love the Lord alone. For 34 years, that's my only vision. And so, at all times, I'm ready to leave this church because ministry is God's. I just do wherever God leads me. I'm not trying to make anything on this earth. Look, your business, is this business your vision? No, it's not. It's not. It's not. Your business is not your vision. Your work cannot be the purpose of your life. That is a dangerous state to be in. Pujang, because you are, you, are, you, you are general manager, now you want to be president? No, no, no. You don't want to be president, right? Even being, even being head pastor here, do you know who determines who's going to be head pastor of this church? It's God. How about your business? Who, be, who determines who's going to be president at your business? What do you mean, God? It's me. I'm the one who does. I'm the one who determines who's going to be who's going to be president at Ant. But anyways, and so in 2024, we need to reconfirm that my vision is God's is loving God, that my only motivation is to live for God, and the rest. The rest is, you do not need to waste so much energy. This includes even your children. You do, you do not, you are not responsible for your children. They are not your children. They're God's children. 
God will raise your children. Will, will you raise your children right, or will God be a blessing to your children? And so, that motivation, because you lose that center, you keep thinking you have to do something. Even doing something for God, examine yourself. Are you really doing it for God? Or are you doing it for yourself? If you really live for God, then you find that there's nothing you can do for God. Because the more you do things, the more you are bringing shame to God. Because what can you add to God? What can you add to God? It's much faster for God to just order an angel. And yet, why does God give you work? It's to, so to reward you. It's so to share in, you, in His glory. It's because He loves you. And so who works? God is the one who works. God who works. God who makes the work successful. Who makes all, who brings success to all your endeavors. And so in 2024, get rid of that chip and living in this way. Laying down the burden, the burden of a father, the burden of a husband. And then there's some of you who have this burden of your family, the burden of your clan, of your tribe. Okay, Pastor Yu, you, his entire family was at our church. And oh, that's why your 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 shoulders are shagging so much because you have this burden of your clan. Tuan is even in your clan now, right? Tuan is in your clan, right? And so, these burdens, fundamentally, you will take these burdens upon you if you do not have God as your goal. And so in 2024, let us lay all these burdens down. Let us be light on our feet and be able to draw near to the throne of grace. Amen? To go forth like a feather. Amen? Be light like a feather. This is God's promise. So why burden yourself? You are taking someone's... You are taking God's work away from him. Why? What is our work? Our work is to love the Lord. With all our heart, with all our mind, with all our strength. Amen? And so chapter 2, verse 2, uh, uh, chapter 2, verse 1, the word that Isaiah, the son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. And so continually he prophesies of all various nations, and yet always Isaiah comes back to what? Concerning Judah and Jerusalem. Why? Because the world is centered around Judah and Jerusalem, centered around Israel. 
And so remember, I never purposely did any of these ministries. I only worked all over the world because I received the essence of the church. And so when I said, Lord, what, sh- what is the church to do? And he gave me Psalms and it said, all the nations, all the nations. And at that time, I didn't realize what was going on. But the essence of the church, why? Because the church has the scale of the universe. And so, ah, that's why God gives to the church the nations. And so as I always say, the relationship with me and God is all about essential things. Receiving His faith. It's not about my, my effort, about me planning things, about me making something happening. Everything comes through your relationship with God. And so, and same thing, when you work, you weren't prepared. You didn't make plans. You just said, begin. And the moment you began, God opened the way. It's not because I made something of this business. No. And so this may be, to those who find this difficult, it's going to be difficult beyond measure. But if you have faith, the essence of that faith, this is easy. Look at me, right? Raise your hand if you think I work so hard. Really, raise your hand if you think I work so hard. Be honest. Look at how much I pray every day. I go all over the world. Don't I work hard? And yet, as you know, I do not work hard. Even though I'm doing all this, I'm happy. I'm so happy and I do not work hard. And there's some of you who feel very sorry to me. Thank you for waiting for me. But no, of course I am waiting for you. But of course I have to wait for you. I have no other thing I can do. There's no other method. So don't be thankful for that. Because if God is waiting for you, how can I not wait? And so so don't put too much meaning on that. When, when I see some of the letters that you write to me, I mean, I, I feel sorry because they keep saying that, you know, thank you for waiting for me. But honestly, what else can I do is wait for you. But anyways, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, it's essence, essence. Do not forget essence. You are the center and, and, and that the world revolves around you. Do not lose this essence. Okay, because especially in Korea, it's everything revolves around Yeobang Church. And we've God has revealed this for the past 20 years. The past six pastors, our presidents, have been established through our prayers, right? Why? Because of our excellence? No, because this is the essence of the church, the essence of the church of God. Amen? Verse 2. The first half, it shall come to pass in the latter days. Latter days, again, talking about the end times. But if we were to turn this into verb, it would be an imperfect verb. Because all these circumstances, and so all these circumstances in this present, I'm looking at it in the present, 
But it's not separated from the end times. And so past, present, future, all of it is being wrapped up into the end times. And so our conclusion in the present, I have lots of money, I'm successful. No, because when is this going to be accounted for? It's in the end times. And so I always say, we are not the present flowing into the future. Rather, that future is flowing into the present. Amen? And because it flows into the present, we have the result. We have the conclusion. And so we are not worried about the conclusion. We are not worried about the end. That is not a Christian. Why? Because we already have the conclusion in hand. Victory, glory, blessing, all of that is already determined. And so we do not doubt that conclusion. Amen. That is the ultimate victory that we have. And so if you doubt this, you would be so anxious. Because we cannot know what's going to happen in the next second, right? How can you know if your life will not be taken from you this next second? You cannot know. But to those who have God's promised time, that have God's conclusion, because we already have that, that future is flowing into the present. And so we are not anxious of the result. But look at the world around you, how anxious they are of the future. They're so anxious. They worry. They worry so much. Look at the world. They are all racked with depression. And what is depression? Do you know why depression comes? It's because they're worried. Even though they believe God, they're worried. And in other words, they do not believe. And so if Christians have depression, that means spiritually they are zero. That means they do not believe in God. And so I used to joke like this. Let's say here, on, why are you here on this fifth floor in comfort? Why are you sitting here comfortably? Even though there's all of these people, what if this building were to fall? Where's your faith? Are you believing in this present day architecture, this technology that it will never break? Is that what you're believing in? Is that why you are so secure? Why are you sitting here so calm, peacefully? Because you, you design these kinds of buildings, right? Why are you sitting here in peace? It's because of your faith in God. Amen? Whatever your circumstances, everything. It's not because you trust this building. And during the coronavirus, most of us, we were worshiping without the mask. Why? Why? Everyone was so scared of not putting on, of, 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 of transferring coronavirus. Because even if you get the coronavirus, you understood that you are in God's hand. And so that's why we all took off our masks, most of us. 
All of a sudden, because of coronavirus, uh, there's the pain of Elder Chu. But anyways, and so we have the conclusion of the end times. That's what this is talking about. That, and so life is not about the end, but, but the process. The process. It's not about the, the destination, but the journey. Right? We know where the destination is, and that destination is in hand. That destination is victory, is glory. Amen? And so as I always say, I cannot guarantee anything for you on this earth. But what I guarantee for you is that in those end times, you will stand in glory. Amen? And so all of my time frame, all of my destination is not on this earth, but on that day when we stand with him. And so that's why this verse 2 to verse 4 is showing you that destination. And so this state is the, this state is coming to us. This is the victory that we will be living in. Amen. And so, uh, Pastor, Pastor, Prophet Micah makes the same prophecy in, in Micah 4. And so this is about the Millennial Kingdom. And so let's speak of the Millennial Kingdom. Okay, it talks about the reign of Zion. And it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains. So the house of the Lord. The house of the Lord is the new Jerusalem that will be established in the millennial kingdom. And it shall be lifted above the hills. It shall be established as the highest of the mountains. And so Mount Zion will be the highest mount. And this may be symbolic. And it may be real. As it says in Zechariah, that in that in that return of Jesus Christ on the last times, Jerusalem, as they are being attacked by the nations of the world or the armies of the world, and the Jews raise up and confess Jesus, Lord, it, you are the Messiah. And as as he brings the priestly kings and comes to earth, and where does he come? He comes to the Mount of Olives. And from and what happens then? There will be a great earthquake, and all the hills and mountains of Palestine will be broken down, and only Zion, Mount Zion will rise up. And at that time, the Golden Gate, which is buried underground, will rise up above the surface, above the surface, and, and he will enter through that Golden Gate. Wow, this glory is soon upon us. And so you need to sh confirm that you are there in that number of the saints. Amen? We must be there. We must be counted among that number. And so we, it may be symbolic whether it's the highest in the place or not. But either way, what it means is that Mount Zion will stand above and shall be lifted above the hills and all the nations shall flow to it. And so, whether in Isaiah or in Zechariah, in many places, even in Revelations, we see this vision as Jesus sits upon Jerusalem and all those alive after the Armageddon, even unbelievers, will come to uh, Jerusalem. 
Why do they come to Jerusalem? Because on that uh, uh, festival of the booths, there will only be a festival of the full moon, uh, the Sabbath, and the festival of of booth. And so many, and the nations will come. with their gifts, bearing gifts to the king. And so why do they come? Verse 3, verse And many people shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord. And so, so, so for example, like in Tel Aviv, all the, all the, <sighs> all the pilgrims would gather in Tel Aviv and then from Tel Aviv they'll go past, past. Today in the present day if you would go you would not see Mount Zion because of all the hills in between. But now in these days Tel Aviv because everything has been flattened they would see the Mount Zion from even Tel Aviv and immediately they would be struck with the awe of the glory of his kingdom. So can you see, imagine that? Can you imagine that trek, that pilgrimage? And so, let, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways. And so this is his word, right? That God may teach us his word. He directly, and so as he comes as the priestly king and sits on his throne, he'll reign over the world. And what is that reign? The reign is about judgment, teaching what is his, his ways. And so remember, during the Millennial Kingdom, the devil is, is imprisoned. And so there's no demons on the earth. And so immediately they will know what is sin and what is righteousness. But this is possible for us even as now as new covenant beings. If you receive the word in faith, then that word will remove the darkness within you. That's why hearing the word is so important. Even now it's possible. But in millennial kingdom, it will be more direct to all, even non-believers. And that we may walk in his ways. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And so the word will be proclaimed through him who is established on that throne. Now, of course, the priestly kings will teach his word, but the pilgrimages will he- the pilgrims will hear directly the word proclaimed by the king and will know his ways, will know what is right and wrong by his teaching. And so in this New Testament, in the millennial kingdom, he alone is the constitution. He alone is the law. There is no other law needed because his word is law. And so verse 4, he shall judge between the nations. And so all the nations will be received, will be led by the priestly kings to Jerusalem, and they will hear his words directly. And so it will be all centered around the festival of the booths, and shall decide disputes for many peoples. And so he will proclaim that word, and that word, these words, through that one proclamation, they will see their wickedness. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares. The swords is the weapons of the war, right? And so they, what does the sword represent? It represents their strength. And so they beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. 
Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. And so, look, throughout history, never once has there been a day without war. Why? Because of the greed of man, because of greed that flow forth from Cain. Every day they have to steal from their brother. But now, in the millennial kingdom, as Jesus proclaims his word immediately they would see their greed they would see their wickedness and they would see their desires and lay it all down and there will be no more war Micah there's one more thing that comes out what comes out that they will all sit under their own fig tree right from their own vine and from their own fig tree and so right now in the present day even though you work hard you live a life where everything gets taken from you right everything gets taken from you in reality right taxes right um, uh, everywhere that everything that you earn you do not keep for yourself but every man shall sit under his vine and under his fig tree there's no worry anymore all men will not have greed anymore and this world will be an abundant world and so and so this is the fulfillment of the prophecy of Deuteronomy where all riches and all abundance is unfolded and everyone is separated from their greed and so in the millennial kingdom this is what will happen but the important thing is this is also represents the church today this is what happens in the church today. And so think about also in Ezra, the, 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 the revival at the water gate. We saw this in one proclamation of the word. That's what happened. They all shared with one another. And same thing in the Acts, right? When they, when they received the Holy Spirit, the brothers of the church of Acts, uh, they, 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 they shared with one another, right? They, they confessed of their sins. They repented of their sins. And so though this describes the millennial kingdom, even now if we eat the word of God in faith, this will manifest today. And so we must eat the word of God. There's nothing more important, eating the word of God in faith. And when that word touches us, then that will solve all issues. And so kingdom of heaven is not about technique. It's not about methodology. It's not about process. It's not about understanding the process. These things will not cause success or failure of the kingdom of heaven. Really, if you live by the kingdom of heaven, you will not find problem with methodology, with technique. I used to see my my uh, testimony, right? I've never attended church, and yet the moment I believed God, Never once did methodology fail me in my endeavors in the church. Right? Immediately I started preaching. Immediately I started serving as Sunday school teacher. Right? And so never has methodology been a problem, been an obstacle. Even in the world, actually. I didn't learn how to work. And yet, immediately as I get in, got into the workplace, God showed me. And so, look what I'm saying. Where should you be pouring out your energy? 
It's not through gaining skills. It's not through gaining trade and technique. No, you're as a child of God. That's not what it's about. As a child of God, your energy should be poured out into your relationship with God and receiving what God gives to you and manifesting what God gives to you. And in that process, if God wants you to learn technique, wants you to learn, then you receive that. But many people, many young adults, they're doing it opposite way. 99.9% they're wasting their effort in trying to learn technique. And with the remaining 0.1%, they try to pray. And so some people say this, is praying everything? Yes, praying is everything. Praying is everything. It's because you do not do praying. That's why you fail. And so even now, as I'm preaching to you, do you think I spend all my time preparing the sermon? No, my, my sermon preparation is all in prayer. It's all in my fellowship with God. This is the principle of the kingdom of heaven. My energy isn't in improving myself. That's your kingdom then, not the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is when God moves. And so young adults, listen carefully. Young adults, when you first try to live with this word, it's going to be really difficult. But because you're so used to living in self-centered way, it's not you're serving for others serving for others but as you see your life you're constantly getting more busy busy trying to live for yourself busy trying to build up for yourself so you do not have the wherewithal to serve others this means that the kingdom of heaven is failing in your life as you have fellowship with God and you don't have and yet you don't have ability to serve others then you are not going to the kingdom of heaven you are not going towards the kingdom of heaven you've only lived for yourself and remember it's not a matter of time it's where is your heart centered are you centered on yourself or on the kingdom of heaven and so your life's habits are always just focused on improving yourself I saw one time an article a, a young man had 37 certifications and yet unemployed 37 certifications and yet unemployed how many certifications do you have? You, at least you have a driver's license, right? That's all you have, and yet you are the general manager of Ant. That is grace of God. If it was me, I would fire you. All he has is a driver's license, and yet he's general manager. This is the image of the of kingdom of God. This is really important, brothers. 
And so you need to make every effort to change your spiritual makeup. It's not too late. So when I was working, when I was working, at that time, honestly, maybe my actual work, I only spent an hour a day. Everything else was the Word of God. And when I moved according to what, how God moved me, what would take other people 8, 10 hours would take me immediately. You may think that that's possible because of who you are. No, it's not. It, it applies to all. All. And so you do not need to waste your energy. And so when I first began my Christianity, immediately when I woke up, I would pray three hours. And so because I gave the dominion of my day to God, I did not focus on myself, on building myself, on building up my, my resume, but rather waste immediately when I woke up, pray. Look at Proverbs. And, and read read the Bible that was necessary for that day. So, for example, if that day I was to read Jude, then I'd be happy. But if I had to read Isaiah, then all day I would be reading the Bible. And so, in this way, I and I spent all my energy into God. And as this became part of my life for the past thirty-five years, now it's instantaneous. It happens instantaneous. There's no complications. So young adults, listen carefully. And that's, that's where I see such regret. Even though all the spiritual riches is available to you, you still do not live in faith. You do not know what it means to live in the Holy Spirit. That is my frustration. And so it's only when you're so frustrated because you cannot find the way out that you find the whole, that you seek the Holy Spirit, then of course all you're trying to do is use the Holy Spirit. So young adults, why are your faces so downcast? Let's move on. And so, we're almost finished. This glorious kingdom is where we're heading. Or no, more accurately, this glorious kingdom is coming to us. But remember, we our beginning doesn't start when that kingdom comes, but even now it's starting. And so if you are not living in that kingdom now, you will not go there then. And so this kingdom must start now. You must be living in that kingdom now. And so eschatology isn't the tail, it's the head. And so it's Jesus Christ. Are you believing in Jesus Christ right? If you do not know who he is, who is the head, Jesus Christ, you do not know the tail. And so it's not about the tail, it's about the head, right? Eschatology is all about everything. It's not, it's not just knowing the tail, it's knowing the entirety of the body. So let's end here today and pray. We need to pray. But do not just go home 
But let us pray and unravel this message. What does it mean to live by God? This is something that we really need to meditate upon. To living in faith, living in the Holy Spirit. Don't let it be theory to you. Where do you find the failure of Christianity these days? Is that it seems like God reigns in the church, but when you go outside the church, God doesn't reign. That was the mistake of the church, but now that reign is upon us. It's always with us. Amen. Let that reign flow. Amen. So let's pray. Lord, today, ministers and associate pastors, please go out and lay hands. Do not just go home, brothers. So let's turn off all the lights. Okay, turn off most of the lights. And Lord, however long it may take, pray as much as you need. And so tomorrow, tomorrow's Wednesday. And so even though you are going to work, you have become mature that, that you do not smell of the world. So tomorrow, even when you go to work, uh, live in God's reign. And so Lord, in 2024, in this New Year's conference, this is time for you to give us all the blessings to be victorious. And yes, you have already given us so many blessings. Help us to avail it and to enjoy it. And Lord, everything that you have done inside of us, the, con the conclusions that you have given us, help us to receive it without doubt and draw near to you. And without that anxiety of the future. Let all this unbelief be cast down and have your victory and confidently, boldly draw near to you. That wherever they go, that the kingdom of heaven would move inside of them, whether they're at their workplace, in their homes, wherever they may be, whatever they may be doing, that when they move, the kingdom of heaven will move in them. And so through this word in 2024, may it be fulfilled. May we be completely separated from the world, being completely enveloped, immersed in your presence yes Lord we thank you and so today as we pray Lord may your may a strong presence cover this place and may we be filled with the fullness of the Father may we be characterized by the fullness of the Holy Spirit living God grant us your powerful presence may we enter into a new presence a new glory hallelujah let us pray
God, may you restore this community. May they be completely cut off from Babylon. That Babylon cannot ruin our lives. That we, will, as we are separated from Babylon, we will be filled with the Holy Spirit. We will be filled with your glory. And yes, Lord, in the hearts of this community, may this holiness radiate forth, shine forth, overflow. More! Pour it out, Lord! More powerfully! Do not doubt. 
started. More, Lord. More. All you have to do is pray. Cry out to him. Cry out to him. A new anointing. A new anointing. Power. Overflow. Power. Oh, 
Arise! Arise, O holy generation! Rise up, the church of the bride! May all of our loose bindings be loosened! We will be light as a feather! Go forth before the throne of grace! Go forth before the throne of grace! Be filled with the anointing of the king. More powerfully, Lord. More powerfully, Lord. A powerful anointing of prophecy. More anointing. Golden anointing. More, Lord, at this time. More, Lord. May all the glory of the kingdom of heaven be filled in this place. May all of your riches fill all the businesses of this church. More powerfully, Lord. May the scale of faith arise. More powerful faith that they can ask for everything, even the universe itself. Pour it out, Lord. More powerfully. Lord, come upon this place. Lay down your burdens. More, Lord. More. May all their bindings, may all their hardens be completely loosened. More. May their spirits be completely renewed. Meet with them deeply at this time. Meet with them, Lord. Open the gates of heaven automatically that they would have this powerful authority. That in everything that they do, wherever they go, that their holiness would radiate forth. And so, Lord, may streams of living water overflow from within their belly. May they have the confidence of faith. Confidence of faith. May it overflow. May this confidence fill them up. Thank you. Yes, Lord. More, Lord. More, Lord. More powerfully, Lord.
Yes, Lord. May the gates of heaven open wide. Open wide. Open wide. What can you not ask of me? What do you desire? It shall be done to you according to your faith. prayers. I will receive your prayers for I am almighty God for I am Yahweh. More powerfully Lord. Pour it out. More Lord. More powerfully Lord. A new anointing like a waterfall. Overflow. May it deluge over us. Proclaim. Proclaim. It's all about proclamation. Proclaim. Proclaim. More powerfully. wide Lord at this time may the streams of living water completely flow over and transform flip the spiritual tables of the politics in this country all the devil shall flee shall flee all you faithful heavenly hosts I command you to go forth and break down the strategies of the antichrist over this peninsula break down and overturn those tables trusted to you among church never once have you failed never once have you failed to live up to that authority that you have given us may all the strategies of the devil be completely broken down to break down and destroy to build up and establish Yes, Lord, more powerfully, more powerfully, more powerfully in faith. More powerfully, Lord. More powerfully, Lord.
different authority, more powerful authority come upon this place, especially upon the brothers. Yes, Lord, may they have the authority of the word. Receive power and authority. Receive power and authority. More powerfully. 